Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome in the dark. I'm going to do a... This isn't going to be very long today, guys. I have got to get to work, but... <clears throat> I wanted to start something with you again. Um, I had done some episodes on Ted Gunderson um, a little ways back. I don't know how many videos back there, how many episodes back it was, but if you get a chance, please go back and find them. What Ted Gunderson did for us and the chances that he took and the just the brave exposure that he set out to give us as to what was going on to me was incredible. He was, um, March of, uh, 1979, he retired from the FBI. He was part of the FBI for about 30 years. He was actually head of the, of one of the branches of the FBI for a very long time. And the entire time he was in the FBI, he was oblivious to what was going on. He just, you know, he operated in the FBI. He did his job. He was an incredible agent, you know, very respected. His credentials are incredible. Um, this is a man in his elder years that after he had retired, he had started to find out what was going on um, through a case that had happened. It was the, I, I believe it was the um, Jeffrey McDonald case that opened up his uh, his eyes. <clears throat> and I'm going to get into that more. I, I have some notes here about this. Um, but this man was, you know, when it's it's different when you have just anybody off the street that really doesn't have any kind of credentials. They don't, they're really not well known. Nobody really knows much about them. Not that they're not important or what they say isn't truth or, you know, this status thing drives me crazy because I feel like with status, like, you know, people are so undermined or not listened to unless they, ha they hold some kind of rank or status, you know, um, and it, it just, you know, it, it just, it's just like playing preference to people. But um, in this case, Ted Gunderson, who he was and his career and what he had done his whole life, um, who he was as a person is, you know, it, he's somebody to be listened to. Okay. It's not a, it's not something to just, you know, there's always the date, the doubters and the people that, you know, say, oh, you're just fear mongering and stuff like that. And they don't want to hear you know, this kind of stuff because they don't, they just don't want to accept it. They don't want to believe that their security and what they believe in is anything than what they believe it is. Um, some of the stuff that I've had thoughts of with all this is, you know, the satanic groups, these satanic groups that do these sacrifices like a Bohemian Grove and places like that, which I'll get into all that later too as well. I'm going to get into everything. You know, a lot of people, they have these channels. <laughs> I don't understand some of it because like I know they'll have like a Bigfoot channel, then they'll have like a Dogman channel, then they'll have like a paranormal channel. And it's like, I don't know why you guys are separating this out. You know, why are you having separate channels separate, you know, epi like not episodes, but channels. Like, why are you acting like these are separate things? This is all one thing meshed in together. Okay. Our world isn't, you know, we don't live in separate worlds here. It's all one planet. 
And it's got a lot of crap going on that our God had told us about a lot of it. Okay, read the book of Enoch. That is probably the most um, telling book of all that really talks about what's going on in our world. You know, that and what's the other one I would say? There there was another one. I ought to, ought to figure out. Um, there was a couple of Jubilees. I would check out Jubilees and Enoch especially. And then there's one other one that um, I would definitely check out that really talks a lot about our world. And then you wonder why these books were removed from the Bible. You know, it, it's not hard to figure that one out. Um, but it it's just that it's all it's all happening it's they're all operating i'm not saying completely together but they are together you know they're they're sent out to do jobs just like the bigfoots were created to watch us the dogmen were created to watch us and report back and potentially um you know uh capture people, you know, destroy people. I don't know. The dogmen to me seem like an entity that was created more for destruction than anything, but I don't know that. You know, I mean, like Robin had said, there's good ones and bad ones, and the good ones, everything has free will, so the ones that are good might be good because of their own free choice. That might not be what they were supposed to be, but they ended up being that because they are part human. Okay, so that... That's just a thought um, in all this. But I, these channels that are popping up, that they're creating all these different, you know, types of channels. I'm like, why? Why are you not blending God and the Bible in with, you know, the spirits that are seen, the ghosts that are seen, the demons that are seen, the dogmen, the Bigfoot, the aliens, the government? Guys, it's all together. It's all, it's all intermingled. You don't need separate channels for this stuff. And that's that's something I just, I really want to bring that to everybody's attention. <clears throat> you know, separate channels are not needed. Trust me. This is all blended together. We were warned about so much of it. And we just didn't understand that it's real. You know, that what God's telling us in the Bible is real. It's true. Take it at face value. Stop trying to dissect the Bible. The people that try to, to to interpret the Bible, and there's been so many times when something popped up and it was literal. It was when you go back to the Bible and you look at the sighting, like the giants, the giant bones and stuff, you know, people try to interpret that, oh, this must mean this, it must mean that. And then they'll find giant bones and like, okay, it's literally what it said. There were giants in those days that roamed the earth and they will return again. And there's giant bones that have found that the Smithsonian has confiscated that they have, you know, put in this hush-hush mode where they won't let anybody see them or know they exist anymore. Um, it's literal. The Bible, I believe, is literal. When God tells us something in the Bible, it's literal. It's not something that's supposed to be, you know, figured out. It's not a code. You know, there might be codes in there, you know, maybe time frames and stuff like that. But a lot of these, um, like uh, Tom Horn, I guess he had had a, a vision of the, the Wormwood meteor hitting the Earth. I believe it was 2029. And it's kind of odd because that lines up with another guy that had just come out. He was on Sid Roth. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually bring on what he said. Um, he wrote a book and he, had, he was talking about 
the time frame from everything he had lined up from the years that God had talked about. And each year was a hundred years to God. And there were 10 different sectors there with Jesus being in the center. And he said that it looked like 2025 was the kickoff, the true kickoff of everything that would happen according to the way this is all being laid out. So between 2025, 2009, which Tom Horn speaks about, that could be the three and a half year mark if you take, depending on what month this this rests on, it starts with and what it, it, it ends with, if you guys understand what I'm saying. Um, but the, you know, there's like the seven year tribulation, three and a half years into it is when the Antichrist, you know, reveals himself as being bad. That's, that's the breakdown of it. So, um, I'm just, <laughs> I feel like I'm like this, I'm doing a job for God. Okay. And sometimes it's funny, I'll get sick. I deal with an illness and there's times I get sick and, and I'm like, and I'll feel really bad. I'll feel like, you know, I'm really not doing well today. And I'll feel like, you know, I'll look at God and I'll say, I'll look up and I'll say, you know, it would be a real waste to take me now, you know, when I have so much work to do here. <clears throat> and then there's a part of me that knows I can't go because I know I have work to do for God. And I know he's sent me that this, he revealed to me what he wanted me to do. And I never in a million years thought I'd be doing podcasts. I never in a million years thought I'd be on YouTube you know, doing this stuff ever. Like, this is not at all what I planned at all. Like, I don't even know how I got here, but somehow I feel that this was where I was led to because I kept asking him to reveal my purpose, what he wanted me to do. And he had told, he had shown me that I was a warrior for him. Like, I was a fighter. I was born to be a fighter. Um, I was somebody that I fight for injustice. I'm really, really... I get really upset when there's injustice and when there's unfairness, even in families and stuff that I see, stuff that I feel. I mean, I get like murderously upset where I just want to kill and destroy everything that hurts like children, animals. Like I literally, I just, I, I it's like I see red and I just blank out and I just want to suit up in this black armor and go out and just hunt people down. Like this is, this is my personality. And I'm like, okay, why am I like this? Is this evil? And I heard the Lord say, you know, this is, we're all basically created differently. And that's why we have to accept each other's differences because we're all made for a purpose. We are who we are because this is how God made us. And it's for a purpose if we can find our purpose and get out of the hole um, where Satan and his demons and the dark forces around us try to delude us and they try to keep us off track. They try to, you know, detract us from our purpose that we were made for. We were created for a purpose. And they spend their entire time that we're born from birth until death, making sure we don't meet our soulmate. We don't fulfill our purpose. We never find our purpose to begin with. We are just knee deep in stress, jobs, which is more stress, family, which ends up to be a lot of times stress, raising kids, you know, money problems, health problems. They keep us sick. They keep us as broke as they can. You know, it's just constant. We are constantly being pinged with, you know, just darts shot at us. Can't talk today. Bear with me. 
I'm getting a little distracted because it started to rain. I'm in my car again. <laughs> I'm in my car hiding. Um, so we are constantly being pummeled with distractions and things that keep us away from God's purpose for us. You got to take a deep breath, a step back and say to yourself, listen, I can worry sick about all the stuff that's going on and it isn't going to change anything. Okay. I can sit here and, you know, bite my nails and stress out over the money that I don't have over being sick over all this stuff that's going on and it isn't going to change any of it. Okay, look back at your life, at all the times that you stressed about something that was going on, and that stressing over that stuff really had nothing to do with the outcome of it, had nothing to do with how you got yourself, you know, how you figured it out. In a sense, it doesn't help you in any way. You've got to take a deep breath and give it to God and say, okay, whatever's going on, there's a purpose for this. For God wants this to be happening in my life to lead me into something else. Okay, he wants to teach you to break you down and to lead you somewhere. Let it happen. Embrace it. You know, know that somehow or another it's going to work out. Okay, it's going to work out. You know, even if you die, if you get sick and you die, the worst that's going to happen to you, if you're close to God, is that you're going home to heaven. And I don't think that's such a bad thing. Okay, now there's worry if, if you've got children that are small, things like that, but you can't, <clears throat> you can't, you can't change it. You can pray about it, pray that God heals you. But if he doesn't, that means that that was your time to go. It was your time to go home. It was your designated time. You fulfilled your purpose here. Hopefully you fulfilled your purpose here. You know, I, I think a lot of people might end up dying that never do fulfill their purpose because they never find it because of Satan and the dark forces around them. But you know, it's it's just super important, guys, that stop worrying about all the materialistic crap. You know, all the knickknacks in your house and the little gadgets that you want to buy. You know, it doesn't matter how much you want something. You get it. Within a week, you want something else. It, 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 we're never fulfilled. It's the human condition. We are never, ever fulfilled because we're not where we need to be. We're not home with God. We're never going to be fulfilled unless we have God. That's what a lot of people are searching for things. They're constantly searching. You know, I remember this thing in Tombstone. I remember when Wyatt Earp had asked Doc Holliday, this is so funny, I'm talking about this. <clears throat> he asked him, he said, you know, why does he do what he do? Why, why does Johnny Ringo do what he does? You know, why does he just, he's just a senseless killer. And Doc Holliday said, you know, there's just this big hole inside of him that can never be filled you know, no matter how much he kills or steals or rapes or maims or whatever he does. And I'm not doing this word for word, but he said it's never going to be filled. And that basically sums up the human condition in a lot of ways, not to bring in, you know, killing and maiming and raping and stuff like that, but that giant hole that's inside of us. It's God. We were created to be with God. We were created for God and the separation from God has made us feel unfulfilled, like there's a hole inside of us and we can shop and, you know, have gambling addictions and whatever addictions people have or, you know, sex or, you know, drugs or whatever it is that we we're always searching for. You know, we get a, a partner within, you know, three years, we're, we're sick of that partner, we're looking at somebody else. We're never fulfilled. 
And it's the lack of God that is the reason that we're not. That's why. Because we're not where we need to be. We were sent out away from him to do a job here. And people don't understand that. So we were sent out to, do, to, for, to fulfill a purpose, to do a job for God, and then we're to go back home. And until we go back with him, or unless we have him, really have him while we're here, we're never going to be fulfilled, guys. It's not possible. We're never going to be happy. It's misery. The separation from God is misery. And that's why I loved Enoch so much. I love the, the way that Enoch walked with God and, you know, he was so fulfilled by God and God just took him. And I think that's a fascinating story. So enough of my ramblings. I actually made, I meant to make this a short one, but I guess I'm not making it as short. It's raining right now. So if you hear some pitter-patter of rain hitting my um, car windshield, I'm sorry. Um, my house is filled with two children running around screaming and having fun. And my daughter, my son, and Matt are all in there making noise. So I'm, I'm in the car once again hiding so I can get some, some peace and quiet. And now it's raining. So back to Ted Gunderson. He was... Um, as I said, very respected. Um, his job was to expose what's happening around the world. When he retired, that's what he made his mission to be. And he talked a lot about different cases. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a couple cases, and then I'm going to call it a day for today. And then I'm going to come back on, <clears throat> and I'm going to read you more about his findings, what he was exposing. And I want you to follow this, guys. Bear with me. This isn't about dogmen. It isn't about supernatural stuff. This is about, it is supernatural stuff. It's, it's part of Satan's realm. It's, it's our so-called government or the cabal, you know, that the word government just cracks me up. It, it, it just, it's like, you know, the group of Satanists that run around our planet. 1776, May 1st, Adam Weishoff was commissioned by the Rothschilds family to set up the goals to control and take over the world. This is 1776, May 1st, which was my mother's birthday. <clears throat> my birthday is actually May 4th. A man named Adam Weishoff, again, I'm going to read this, was commissioned by the Rothschild family to set up the goals to control and take over the world with a one-world government. And this coincides with the Bible with Revelations, what it talks about. He came up with 25 goals. Among these goals were to control the press, corrupt the youth through sex and drugs, elect our own people, meaning their own people, meaning the Illuminati, and place them in key positions, all positions, city, state, and federal. And it goes on. The final goal was to take over the one world government. Read the book if you can get a chance to. Uh, it's called Pawns in the Game. If you guys get a chance, read it. I don't know the author offhand, but look for the book Pawns in the Game. Uh, when Gunderson retired, he had no idea about any of this. He had no idea about the Illuminati, which, yes, everyone, does exist. It is real and alive and well and operating around the world today. Gunderson's first major real investigation when he returned from Puerto Rico was the Jeffrey McDonald case. 
He was a former Green Beret doctor, Jeffrey McDonald was, who was accused of murdering his wife and two children at Fort Bragg on February 17, 1970. He had been tried and convicted and sentenced to three consecutive life sentences. Gunderson was asked by the defense team to investigate the case because they claimed Dr. McDonald was innocent. Gunderson agreed but said if he learned he was getting I'm sorry if he learned he was guilty he would discontinue his involvement altogether in the case. He worked for the doctor and the case for years and claimed he was indeed an innocent man. Evidence was found to be lost, stolen and altered. An agent involved Roger Stonball lied before the grand jury. And most important of all, the wife, Colette, who was Jeffrey McDonald's wife, had had skin under her fingernails where she fought off the assailant. That skin was handed over to William F. Iverly, the chief investigator for the Army, and it suddenly disappeared. Ten months into the case, October twenty-fifth, 1980, Gunderson obtained a signed confession from a woman named Helena Stocklier, who claimed Dr. McDonald did not commit the crimes, and in fact, they were committed by her own satanic cult group. They don't really know why it's really pouring. <laughs> Guys, I hope this doesn't bother you. They don't really know why she had suddenly come in and admitted to what she did. It was probably God. Something happened with the Lord that you know, preyed on her enough to do this. Gunderson felt bewildered and said to himself he didn't know anything about Satanism or cults. But it, as he delved into the case, he learned that drugs from... Now listen to this, guys. As Gunderson delved into this case, this is really sick. He learned that drugs from Southeast Asia were being flown into the United States to various military bases and plastic bags in the bodies of the dead GIs. That, to me, is unbelievable. He further learned from Helena her satanic cult group was involved in distributing the drugs up and down the East Coast. They were mad at Dr. McDonald because he was, in their opinion, abusive to the cult members and the GIs who went to the civilian hospitals, hospital where he was moonlighting for relief of some sort. So they went to, to the hospital for some kind of relief and probably for drugs or whatever. Who knows if they were getting drugs, though. You wouldn't think they would need them, but there might be a certain kind of drug they needed or a pill. And Dr. McDonald didn't like them, and he, he didn't treat them very well. Which, shame on him for that, you know? Really. Doesn't matter who you are, you still don't treat people badly. So they went in and attacked that night. There was a total of seven involved in the crime, including herself. She named them all for him. Gunderson knew where most were located for several years. To further document this, he went to the UCL, UCLA library and found out Give me a second. Found out in the Time magazine, January 1st, 1973, there was an article about dr bringing drugs in plastic bags in body cavities of dead GIs. 
Now stop and think about the incentive here needed to come up with dead soldiers to transport drugs, everyone. So they need dead GIs to transport their drugs, which is a constant flow of product, okay? So they need dead GIs. This is just, this is sickening. When I think about this, I am just absolutely overwhelmed with emotion. They need dead GIs to transport drugs. Think of the incentive they have to kill the GIs to do this. That is so, I can't, I don't even have words for that. I, 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 it makes me so angry. I can't even begin to, I just, I don't even have words for that. Think about the implications of that alone. At that, at this point, there was no doubt in Gunderson's mind that Helena was telling the truth. He gave her a polygraph test and she passed. He had her examined by a psychiatrist and she passed the exams that, that the psychiatrist had given her. And as a matter of fact, the government also had given her their own polygraph and she passed. This was before Gunderson had ended the case. Uh, Brizantine, the polygraph vibrator, stated she felt for certain Helena was telling the truth and had been there that night as well. Gunderson said the McDonald case is what woke him up to what was going on in the world. So the McDonald case is what woke him up. This is not going to be a short like I intended. I'm sorry, guys. Just take X out me saying it's going to be a short. It turned out to be longer. It was after that that he had started his journey into the truth and found out about the Illuminati and that they were indeed real and not just some fairy tale group that people tried to discount. His research had taken him into the truth and knowledge about the Illuminati, the Illuminati or Satanism. It was after that that he stated, I'm sorry, that he started being flooded with info as to what is really going on. These are journeys I believe the Lord takes us on. I believe that God, he, he picks certain people to do jobs and he knows what we're made of, what stuff we're made of. And that's why there's people that this happens to. Dr. McDonald, who had been in the penitentiary for 26 plus years at the time, Gunderson had spoken publicly about this over a decade ago. So when Gunderson was talking about this, it was around 2005. Before that, Dr. McDonald had been incarcerated for 26 years. McDonald, several years ago, had appeared before the parole board and was denied at the age of 61 and wasn't eligible for another hearing until he was 77 years old, 15 years. He, 61, he had to wait 15 more years to go through another hearing. He was eligible last year, it would have been. He would have been 77 years old if he's still alive. I did not check to see if McDonald is alive yet. I will go back in and check and see if he was released, which I doubt he was. In 1997, a federal judge agreed to do a DNA test and chose 15 pieces of envelopes to be examined where only the prosecutor can be present. They opened the envelopes. The prosecutor did. Five evidence envelopes were empty. 
surprise, surprise. The skin that had been collected from under Dr. McDonald's wife's fingernails alone would have established Dr. McDonald's innocence. And that was missing, of course. From 1997 to 2005, they still had not completed the DNA tests. And to this day, we don't know if they ever have. From the McDonald case, the next case was the McMartin Preschool case, Manhattan Beach, California. The children there claimed there were tunnels under the school where they were taken into tunnels up into the trap door of a bathroom in the tribal X next door placed in automobiles and prostituted. Now, when you say prostituted for a child, prostituted isn't quite the word I would use. It's more like a child prostitution, pedophilia, rape, child rape, you know, into the community of pedophilia. These are two, three, and four-year-old children before they entered kindergarten that this was happening to. In addition, the children claim they were flown into the mountain by plane to be met to be met by adults in black robes, chanting candles. Where you know they had all that there. They talked about the brown babies who were cut up, actually sacrificed. This was obviously a satanic ceremony. Hang on, I gotta get a drink. The McMartin family who owned the preschool and the others were tried. I think it was Ray Bucky and his grandmother. All, all was, they all had gotten a hung jury, all acquitted. Pays to have friends in high places, doesn't it? In 1990, Gunderson had an opportunity to gain control of the school. The school had been given to Danny Davis, the defense attorney, and he had sold it to a contractor who was going to tear it down. When Gunderson learned of this, he contacted the contractor and told him he really wanted to be given access to the school and look for these tunnels. The authorities had looked for them in 1987 and said they could find no tunnels. Along with some of the parents, Gunderson and his team raised the money and hired an archaeologist, Dr. Gary, St I think it's Stickle, UCLA archaeologist. He hired his crew and brought them in, and within 34 days, Dr. Stickle said there had indeed been tunnels under that school that had been filled in and covered up. An informant told Gunderson that there was an abandoned satanic site up in the mountains in Crestline, California, and obtained photographs of the site. From there, he became involved in another case, a very frightening case, because he had established with the help of others like John DeCamp, former state senator from Nebraska, that we had and have in this country today a covert military criminal enterprise, a government enterprise, primarily by U.S. military intelligence that is operating full throttle and everybody refuses to investigate it. 
Look up Gunderson Chronicles 2 if you can find it. Shows pics of the site too, by the way. In the, Debra the Nebraska case, it's called the Franklin Cover-Up. It was a book that was written by John DeCamp that talks about all this. I spoke about this in one of my previous episodes briefly with the intent of getting deeper into this with you, which is what I'm doing now. In this case or cases, they were taking children out of foster homes, orphanages, orphanages, I can't pronounce it, orphanages, <laughs> bear with me, Boys Town, driving them from Omaha, Nebraska to Sioux City, I, 885 miles away, placing them in private jets, flying them to Washington, D.C. for sex orgies with prominent people, including congressmen, senators, and certain people in the White House. It's well documented. Gunderson had personally spoken with Paul Benassi in 1970, or I'm sorry, 1993 in a, in a five-hour-long interview. Paul told Gunderson how he was used. He had been part of the kidnapping crew at 11 years old. He was used as a decoy when he was 10 or 11 years old in parks, shopping malls, etc. to attract the children over where the adults were waiting in a car for them. They would throw them in the back seat, chloroform them, and take off with them. God, this is just... What the hell are we doing, people? Why are we learning about this stuff and doing nothing. What is wrong with everybody? Why are we doing nothing? It's like a form of entertainment. We hear about it and it's interesting and it upsets us. And then we just carry on with our life, go about our day because the machine's gotten too big. Nobody knows where to start. They don't even know how to get involved. They don't know what to do. They know if they do get involved, they could be killed or, you know, jailed or something. Their family could be killed. I just don't even know what to say. So they threw the kids in the car, back of the car seat, chloroformed them and took off with them. Paul said many of them became sex slaves, many as toys. I'm really upset right now. I'm sorry. Bear with me. The term boy toy came from this. Next time you use that phrase, think again. Boy toy came from government officials kidnapping children to use them, rape them for sex, and then kill them or use them for child sacrifices. That's where boy toy came from. Next time you see the phrase, like I said, think again. Most of these de degenerate Sick people, the men, are more interested in the little boys than the little girls for whatever reason. That's a curious, sickly curious occurrence to me. Um, something about the boys. I don't know what that is. In the Middle East and all over, the boys are thought to be for enjoyment and the girls were for reproduction. I don't understand what's going on there. Is it a power thing to demasculate a boy from becoming an emotionally healthy man one day? You know, are these so-called people doing this even, like, are they human? You know, it's just something to consider. But this is all well documented. Paul drew the inside living quarters of the White House. 
Now, the inside living quarters, I don't believe at the time, especially, were ever open to the public. So he drew that. This info broke around 1987, right before Gunderson entered the case. He replaced a fellow named Gary Caridori, who was the investigator for a Nebraska Senate committee. Gary met the official photographer of the group, who had split from the group, defected, and agreed to take the photo. And I'm sorry, he agreed to take the pics the photographer gave him when they met. So Gary Caridori met this photographer, and he took the pics with him back onto the plane with him on his private plane. He flew out of Chicago, a short way out of Chicago. The plane exploded in midair. Him and his 11-year-old boy died. His briefcase had never been found. The rear seat of the plane never found. Most likely that was where the bomb was planted. <clears throat> Gunderson did everything he could to gain possession of the plane, what was left of it, to examine it. No one knows what happened to it. He wanted to examine it for the traces of bomb chemicals, backseat particularly, but it, there was nothing. It was just gone. Somehow the plane, all the pieces that were left, everything just disappeared. Gary Caridori was a civilian, yet it would, yet this these remnants of the plane were taken to a military base for examination which shouldn't have happened. A deputy sheriff was the first one on the scene. He saw the pictures. He started picking up the pictures, and then an FBI agent came along, took the pictures from him, and told him to keep his mouth shut. A year later, he started to talk to people about the case, and his wife ended up being murdered. He's no longer talking. This international kidnapping ring was out of Washington, D.C., and it was very active and known as the Finders. That was the name of the group. It was operating from the 1960s up until at least early 2000s until they moved their operation to Wichita, Kansas, where it is believed they are still operating today. Gunderson took his reports to the FBI at least a dozen times, demanding for an investigation, but was always refused. The question is, why? Why was he refused? I'm going to end it here. I have to get to work. Um, I just... I don't know. I just, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how they, they really snuck up on us. They really, the government has done things so, it's been planned out, and you wonder why, you know, it takes them so long to do things, why it should matter because these officials get old and they die. I don't believe that the people that are running the show are human and they don't die, okay? The ones that are at the top of it, they don't die. They're immortals. Um, fallen angels, Satan, the Cabal, 
the draconians, you know, AI, whatever you want to call it. You know, do they switch bodies? Do, do they use a body in the shell? When that body dies, they move on to another one. I don't know. But the amount of time that it takes for them to carry out their plans here. Um, it takes hundreds of years. And somehow they've snuck, like they, they, they gradually introduce things to us, like just like gas prices, food prices, tax prices. You know, they go up and up and up and up and up, but they do it gradually. And so we don't bitch about 25 cents more that year, two years later, you know, 50 cents more, you know, instead of saying, hey, we're going to raise something up to $10 more, they gradually do it. And that's how they've crept in on us with everything that they do. You know, it's everything. They um, just, they trick us. They've tricked us into following along with all of their plans. And this is all biblical. It's all biblical. You can't separate this, guys. God's word what he tells us, what's going to happen, what has happened, you know, what they're like, what they're, what there is, what they're, what we're dealing with. It's all there. And all these groups, whether they're all, they all get along or they're all together or they're separate ones, you know, whether, you know, Satan's from the underworld and, you know, the draconians are from something else, you know, I, I, I feel that they're all operating together. You know, one, some might be more evil than others, but I mean, how can you really weigh out evil is evil? So what we have to decide, you know, is what are we going to do about this? Is there anything at this point that we really can do? You know, there has, there would have to be a large mass collective of people at once. You can't just have one or two people out there fighting the game, you know, fighting this war and... They don't have enough backup. You know, you've got, you know, a select group of people out here doing this stuff, trying to get the word out, trying to fight against this. And, you know, you get people that are listening and they're commenting and they're supportive emotionally. But, I mean, people have to get in this fight, you know, because it's too easy to pick off one or two people. It's not as easy to pick off a whole army of people. So I just hope that everybody really starts thinking about what they can do to make a change, not just sit around and listen to be entertained. You know, what can you do to make a change? What can you do to get involved here, actively involved, to be a voice, you know, to say no? We're not going to put up with this. We're not going to take this that we're fighting in the name of God, of Jesus. Because that's what this fight, this fight starts with him. Well, you guys have a great day. Um, I'm going to get my buns to work. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon. I'm going to be coming back on pretty soon here with more from this, Okay probably be about three, three episodes in total on this one thing. And then I want to get into, I want to have Robin back on to talk about some paranormal stuff too. She might come on before I get into this again. 
Um, and I also, there's another couple other guests and I, um, just want to continue on. So you guys know there's some other things about Gunderson he had encountered when he had run into, um, some reptilians and, and such too. So I'll get into all that. So you guys have a wonderful day. God bless you all. Be safe. Say your prayers. Take care. Thank you.